0: Ninety-seven five 1280 the zone and the zone sports Network time to catch up with the play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz you know him you love him you wish you could be him it's David Locke David how are you
1: hey David I'm good where where'd you get the Texas Tech game last night
0: uh what's that again
1: what you what line did you get the Texas Tech game on last night uh
0: I did not I,
1: I, uh... so I was I was listening to our gambling podcast. Yeah. And um I guess that line like moved a tremendous amount last night. And so like literally it started like with two on one side and finished at one on the other or something like that. Oh, and really? so like and then the game went down to a buzzer beater. So like half the people who bet the te- the Texas Tech West Virginia game Can you not hear me? Cuz Lloyd is no, I got calling you. me on the other uh, Lloyd You're is up. for some reason calling me on the other line. Right now, which is really confusing. Um I'm not sure why Lloyd would your producer would be calling me while I'm on the air with you. Um so yeah, I guess West Virginia beat Texas Tech on like a like late second shot, eighty eight, eighty seven last night. But I guess the line moved a ton and since you're in Vegas, I just thought maybe you would have been involved in such a thing.
0: Well, here's the thing, David. I would I I enjoy talking about lions but I never I never actually um you know, follow through with anything in in that regard.
1: Well, of course not, except for like when in Vegas.
0: Like. Uh, Vegas is kind of dead, man. I'm a hotel. I'm off the strip a little bit, so uh, have not been uh, over to a sports book yet. But that might change today. Um, that's but, uh, that's
1: enc- that's encouraging <laughs> to me that Vegas is dead. I have to be honest. I would, I feel for the people in that economy, but it is still encouraging to me that that could be the case.
0: <laughs> yeah, it just. It's got a weird vibe to it. I'm not, I I've not been down here since the uh, Mountain West tournament down it back in March and uh it's you can tell that this this whole city's been uh beat up from not just the virus but economically as well and uh yeah, hopefully right. we can get this thing in the rearview mirror and we can get back to uh people uh I mean I'm the hotel I'm at right now is just right across the street from the convention center and I mean it is a beautiful facility and and your heart breaks for whoever's invested in that thing is it just sits empty for the last year
1: or so yeah no i mean that that's the that's the struggle we have we just need to deal with it correctly and then we have a better chance of taking care of it
0: yeah all right so uh just how good are the jazz are the jazz good
1: i think they're good um you know are they one of the either three or five really good teams in the league uh maybe um it would make some sense in maybe six, maybe Denver kind of writes the ship and gets in there at some point. Um, you know, we haven't had any COVID stuff that a lot of other teams have gone through. Um, in fact, the only COVID thing we had, I think was like a great blessing that we got that last game of that road trip canceled. And then we got a little rest before we had to do that kind of quick back and forth. And now we're rolling. Um, so I, I um, you know, there are some reasons why, but but the numbers are great. Like, Um, And the style of play is worth talking about. There just have only been five teams in the history of the NBA that have ever shot 40% of their shots as threes. They're doing that. Those teams have always been good. Those teams' offenses have always ranked very high, including of the five teams that have ever shot 40% of their shots as threes, two of them rank number one offensively, two of them rank number two, and one of them ranks seventh. Um, so to be able to get off that many threes and that have that kind of just proficiency in your three attempts, um, then if you make them, no team has ever made more than 37% in a season and we're making over 40 right now. So that, I think that probably flips. I mean, I was trying to, uh, do some work on kind of where are we exceeding likely. So our, our effective field goal percentage and our effective field goal percentage defense are both a little off what I think, they'll settle at, so we'll, you know, we'll, we'll come down a little bit. But, I mean, our differential is like plus 12 right now, so our difference, so it comes down, maybe teams make two more shots or we miss two shots and they make one, so, you know, it comes down five points a night, so we're plus seven, and we're pretty good.
2: David, what's the most glaringly obvious thing that has changed since that, I think it was a two and three streak, they'd lost two, Oh no, no. I think they were three and two in a five game streak losing to the Suns, the Nets and the Knicks before they go on that eight game streak or this eight game streak they're currently on. What is the the most glaringly obvious difference from that streak and the bumpy patch with the Nets and Knicks back to back games and this eight game streak that they're currently on? I'm not I'm
1: honestly not entirely sure. Um I certainly didn't see anything coming out of New York that told me that um, they'd be all right. But if you recall, we did an interview. I'd have to check and see, like, what day of the week that was. But, yeah, we played New York on a Wednesday, so you and I talked. And I don't know if you recall, but in that game I said we match up much better with Milwaukee than we do in New York. Yeah, I do remember that. And we do. Like, Milwaukee plays that shell and lets us swing the ball around the outside and shoot a bunch of threes, and New York got physical and us defensively and altered our routes. And I just don't think we had figured out yet how to deal with teams that were kind of pushing us around and moving us and and putting us, you know, not letting us run freely. Um, And so I think that caused, you know, we may have adapted, maybe that's it, or we've gotten fortunate that no one's really gotten into us in a little bit. I thought the second quarter of the New Orleans game the other night, New Orleans got into us and we answered with 12 free throws. And I thought that was a really big moment. I thought the other one was really big was Boyan's assist the other night. You know, some of them are really simple next passes, but so he's still not quite right. So he ends up with eight, you know, career-high assists. I think those little things that everyone's kind of figuring out how they fit into it um, is probably it. But I, I'll be honest, I don't have a, I don't have a great understanding of, um, of w- what clicked in. I kind of see what we're doing well, but I don't know why it was so off. You guys, I'm getting a call right now. You really wish I just – Mike Breen's calling me on the other line. I really should just like conference you in, and then you get (laughs) get Mike Breen on the show. (laughs) Look at you. Look at you. We're playing the Knicks. He's like the greatest guy in the world, and he's like, Mike Breen. I should tell this story. Mike Breen, this is like 13 years ago, I guess. So I'm calling my first game as a... Gosh, this could have been with the Sonics, actually. This is 15 years ago. So I'm calling... The, my first game in Madison Square Garden early in the year, first year NBA play-by-play announcer. And the Knicks, um, we we call the game from Harlem, even though the arena's in Manhattan when you're um, – that joke no longer is yeah. funny during COVID, but, like, it's no. ridiculous how far away we are from the floor. And who shows up at my booth but Mike Breen to welcome me into the NBA? That's pretty cool. Like, is that the greatest? He's just the best.
0: David Locke joining us right here on ninety seven five twelve eighty the zone and the Zone Sports Network Jazz and Knicks tonight. Uh what do you what have you noticed out of the Knicks uh, out of the Knicks as they try to turn things around?
1: Well, they are tough on us for a few reasons. So one is they they do get uh physical and get into you a little bit, and they want to keep you on one side of the floor and do all those Thibodeau things. But if you can reverse the ball and get it moving side to side, they allow they allow the 27th most amount of threes in the league. So we're taking 44% of our shots as threes, and they're allowing 40% of our shots as threes. So we should take about, like if you actually kind of skew that, right, so they're we should take 50% of our shots as threes tonight, um, which is kind of great. Um, I'm waiting. You know, no team in the NBA has ever made thirty threes in a game. I want to see if we could I think we could do it. You got to make eight for four quarters in a row. Uh, I mean, you don't really, right? No, and you have that, to. And the game has to be close enough that you still can shoot them in the fourth quarter. I think you'd have to make like twenty two in the first half, and then you're ahead by so much that you just make a few more and then you hit thirty. Maybe tonight's the night we hit thirty threes.
2: What's the record? Yeah, the NBA I record. Think
1: th- I think it's like twenty six, um, but no one's ever hit thirty. Uh, Scott Rogers, the TV crew, had that in their notes the other day, so I should really be giving credit where credit is due um, for the Stoke notes. And I'm quickly scanning the Stoke notes today to see twenty five is the Jazz record. I think it's twenty 20- it? twenty nine is the most ever made an NBA game by Milwaukee in of twenty twenty. Yeah, it was the and game.
0: 27- where- Sam Merrill Go got the record with Sam Merrill hit the, oh, uh, the right. record breaker.
1: Yeah, you're right. Absolutely. Sam, that's right. I forgot my Utah State tie there. Um, right. So, yeah, Milwaukee has twenty nine. Houston has 20, had 27 in April of. Um, uh, that can't be right because we didn't play basketball in April of twenty twenty. So I don't know when they must have done it in April of twenty nineteen. Um we got t- our 25 is the fifth most ever in NBA history tied. Hmm. So
0: Well, I will say this, it's going to be uh somebody's going to get hurt, somebody's going to hit 30 this year. I think it's a foregone so conclusion somebody's going to get it. Yeah.
1: Um it's so many threes though. It's just a crazy amount.
2: Hopefully it's not Austin Rivers with a repeat performance of 23 against the Jazz before this right. uh, winning streak. But- Crazy what I he mean, I, this is – but this – that's
1: why I, they're such a tough matchup. Austin Rivers is one of the best isolation players in the NBA, and that's what we struggle with, right? Julius Randle is one of the better isolation players in the NBA. Um, I don't really know what R.J. Barrett is, but he's playing much better. R.J. Barrett, in the last five games, is 20.7 rebounds, shooting 49%, so he's vastly improved. Um, but th- this is why the Knicks are difficult for us is that, you know, you look at the best – what do what we not – You know, unless we fix this, this will be interesting to see. You know, the problem we have a little bit is if if you kind of spread us out and you just go one-on-one at our guys, and then we're not great. Like, that's, you know, that's our struggle is then Rudy's not involved defensively because, you know, we we want Rudy involved in the pick-and-roll, and and you can't, like – the problem is Rudy's too good. Like, teams aren't even trying to play pick-and-roll against us anymore because it's like a joke at how great we are – Defensively on the pick and roll. And so it doesn't work. But when you start to look at us, you know, our isolation defense, we suddenly slipped to 19. You know, I think we slip a little. And that's where I don't know what we are exactly in isolation defense, but that's that's where we've got to try to figure things out. And that's, you know, that's where they cause us the most. That's why they cause us problems.
0: David lock right here on 97.5, 1280, the zone and the zone sports network. Jazz take on the Knicks later on. Tonight, as the uh, as they try to uh, uh, continue on with this winning streak, uh, I hate doing this to you, David. Uh, but it is oh, the anniversary. Oh gosh, here we go.
1: Here we go again.
0: No, as no, always, no. This oh, is... I don't
1: mean to do this to you. I hate to do this to you. I don't think this will be a problem when I ask this question. Here we go. Like, well, you know, I just, like, I just don't right, want to get My last day as a member of the Utah Jazz organization. Here it comes. Go, Scotty.
0: Well, no, I just don't want. You. I'm not putting you in a bad place here. I just, I know it's the. I, I I know it's just an emotional day for a lot of people around the league, uh, but take us back to oh, okay. the final game of the regular season, Kobe Bryant his last game, and your courtside. I believe you're eh, maybe you weren't courtside for that one, but uh, but you were right no, there in the arena. I've got. I'll
1: send. You, I'll text you this great picture Ron Boone made for me that I have in my office of me taking a picture of Kobe as he waves to the crowd goodbye. I mean, it was. You know the great ones just elevate to just crazy levels and that was one of those nights and you're just, I mean, you're watching it and you can't believe it. Um, you know, the other one I have is the last Sonics game I ever called kind of probably knowing I was on my way out um, was a, was a Laker Kobe game. And he was, that was the year he just, you know, he scored the seven, the, the, the 70 against, uh, or whatever, 81 against uh, Toronto. And he was scoring 50 with regularity. And, and that's actually my most vivid memory of Kobe because Like, they had nothing on that team, and you just couldn't stop him. And he was going to put 50 on you no matter what. And, you know, that last night's like this unreal feeling. It felt like the NBA Finals. Again, it's the only time I've ever covered an event that was that big, like, was the NBA Finals. And it felt exactly like an NBA Finals before the game with the amount of people that were there and just the hubbub and the energy and. And then for him to rise to the occasion. And if I remember correctly, if we go back and look at it, I don't think he started that great. Like it was kind of like, oh, well, this is the age of final Toby, And then all of a sudden it happened. Um, And so it was definitely going back in time. And it does take me back to that last game I called as a Sonic announcer um, in which, you know, he just was amazing at that stage because you just knew. Like, I mean, I think his backcourt mate was Smush Parker. So it wasn't like somebody else was going to score and he just still, you couldn't stop him. So, um, you know, I mean, this was one of the, this is one of the truly great one-on-one players of all time. Um, I'll throw a plug out if I might. Um, One of our podcasts rejecting the screen has compiled kind of the two years worth of stories. Other people have told them about Kobe from, you know, from Adam Morrison about what it's his teammates to Jeff Perlman who wrote the Lakers book to, uh, I can't – one of the Philadelphia basketball legends who tells a story about him like going into the gym to play one-on-one and beating the crap out of Jerry Stackhouse when Jerry Stackhouse was a 76er and he was a high school player. Um, so if anybody wants Kobe stories, there's some great ones on the Rejecting the Screen podcast.
2: One thing I don't understand, he, he goes and scores 60 and, and then calls it a career, but did he just want to end it as a Laker? Did he feel like his body was done? It, it, it felt like he could have been a reserve. He, he could have done. won more championships. Now, could, I don't
1: think that- – Uh, You know, Hans, I think there's two things to this. One is, you know, he really wasn't very good the last few years. Like, you know, he really wasn't. Um, And he was a detriment to that franchise at that point. Like, nobody wants to talk about that. But the the Lakers were awful. And part of the reason they were awful is because he was after that Achilles tendon. Now, this is the same guy who, like, takes a free throw with a torn Achilles, right? So let's make sure we give him his credit. But, you know, his last two years, I think he shoots 36% and below 30% from three. Like, they're two of the worst offensive seasons by any player ever. Um, you know he's done he's thirty six thirty seven years old, and he's just completely done and but and there are certain players who are going to be capable of doing what you just said Hans, which is oh, I'll play off the bench or do something or have another role. That's not Kobe like Black Mamba is the show, and yeah. that's it, and he wasn't going to be anything else. I mean, we really you know injuries certainly caused it but and there was a slight slip slip to Kobe before, but we should really take talk about Kobe in respect to what happened last night in Cleveland. Yeah. Right? So Kobe, at 37 years old, yes, post-Achilles and some other things, is shooting 36% and 28% from three and is an incredible detriment to his team, and his team is the worst team in the NBA at that point. Last night, our resident greatest player to ever play in the history of the game is 36 years old and drops, what, 20 in the fourth quarter? Mm-hmm. Yep. He's shooting 50% from the field, 41% from three, and 71% from the free throw line. Yeah. If LeBron was a better free throw, he's about to go 50, 40, 80 at 36 years old.
2: It's hard to he's believe. He's averaging
1: him. 25, 8, and 7. He's the best player in the NBA at 36. Mm-hmm. Like, it's. We should be only talking about what LeBron's doing every single day. I swear. It's the most – I mean, I'm sorry, Kobe. Like, I know it's a tribute to Kobe Day, but, like, it's the most amazing thing on a nightly basis I've ever seen. I just went and watch that fourth quarter. I- I'm sorry. I know we've probably got things we've got to do, but can we, can we discuss this for a second? Because this is truly so incredible. Okay. LeBron James is eighth all-time in NBA ABA minutes. He just passed Kobe. Okay. The, the last guy he passed was John Stockton. I don't, I don't. I'm not trying to criticize any of these players, but think of how these players played in their final three or four thousand minutes of their career. Yeah. Right? These these players were shadows of their greatness. John Stockton, Reggie Miller, Tim Duncan, Gary Payton, Vince Carter, Ray Allen, Paul Pierce was overweight and sitting on the back end of the Clippers match. Those are the most recent recognizable names of players he's passed in his career. Like, those are the guys he just passed. In other words, they were at the very – Joe Johnson played 44,000 minutes. We got the up-close personal view of it at the very end. LeBron's played 59,000 minutes. That's another two seasons.
0: Yeah. Uh, he's he's uh, 49,139 regular season minutes and, and oh. 11 – and ten thousand eight hundred and eleven playoff minutes, so he's at right at he's at sixty thousand minutes now.
1: right. I mean, the mailman's the most incredible physical thing we've ever seen because we saw it up close, right? He wasn't the same in his final six, seven thousand minutes. he That's where LeBron's heading. Think about Dirk. We just saw Dirk. we just saw Garnett, right? We just saw Jason Kidd all finish their career. Those are the next three guys he passes. They're all at fifty thousand minutes. He gets them this year. He's the best player in the NBA. It's incredible.
0: Uh, yeah. No, I'm with you on that. 100%. David, appreciate your time as always, man. Great stuff.
1: Sorry to take us away from the Kobe tribute to that. but No, I you're all good.
0: He's, you're all good. Last
1: night was insane. Okay, see you.
0: David Locke, play-by-play voice of the Utah Jazz.